In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You have heard it said, a picture is worth a thousand words, and generally I think the saying is true. Images can preach powerfully, and indeed they often do. And it's certainly no accident that we find vivid imagery in the preaching and teaching of Jesus. But in truth, the preaching of Jesus consists of more than the words of his mouth. Our Lord is, after all, the incarnate Word of God. He's the eternal Logos embodied. And thus, as some of my professors at seminary would even say, Christ is the very Sermon of God made flesh. Our Lord's whole life, in fact, is a sermon. It's composed of the things that he says and also the things that he does. And so what is it that the life of Jesus preaches to you on this glorious Palm Sunday, on this magnificent day with which we begin Holy Week? What sermon? unfolds before your eyes in our Lord's grand procession into the city of David. Meditating on our gospel text this morning might first lead us to think on this, that it wasn't on some mighty, majestic war horse or a chariot made of gold on which Jesus entered Jerusalem. It was rather upon a donkey that the king of kings was seated. It was a beast of burden on which he sat. And in doing so, Jesus fulfills the very thing Solomon did ages ago, just prior to his coronation. Indeed, our Lord Jesus drew near to Jerusalem as one descended from Solomon, and yet also much, much greater than he. But despite the royal lineage of Jesus, he came not as one arrayed in exotic, dazzling clothing, procured from the far reaches of the earth. The Son of God, who by nature dwells in uncreated light, was found clothed not in regal splendor. Unlike fallen men, who lust after riches and all the extravagance of wealth. Jesus sat aside such things entirely and scorned them for himself. It pleased him instead to be clothed as one seemingly insignificant in much more lowly dress. And despite being the one by whose power all things came into being, whose mighty word stretched out the heavens above, Jesus felt no desire to exalt himself. No pretentious words were to be found on his lips or in his heart. Instead, it was the crowds around him that sang his praises. It was from their mouths that praise for him poured forth, and not his own. Hosanna to the son of David, they shouted. Blessed is he who comes in the name 
of the Lord. And with these words from Psalm 118, they hail Jesus as the Christ, and together they confess that the long-awaited Messiah it now at last had come. And though our Lord was likely well aware of their short-sighted and worldly expectations, he does not rebuke them for any of the things that they said. He permits the celebration to continue. The crowds were also waving palm branches in the air, perhaps similar to those that you see here. They did this in remembrance of the great exodus from Egypt of old. For palm branches are used in the ancient Jewish festival called Sukkoth, which in English is known simply as the Feast of Booths. The Jews in this feast remember their journey out of bondage, how the Lord miraculously provided for them in the desert and thus saved them when otherwise they would have surely perished. And so, by all accounts, it seems those hailing Jesus and welcoming into him into the city likely saw him as the Lord's ultimate provision unto salvation. They praised him as the anointed one whom God himself had given, and indeed he most certainly is. But for his part, Jesus felt no need to bolster himself or let the praises of men inflate his ego. He had every right to do so, but didn't. Why so often then do we? Why so often do we care much about our appearance in the eyes of others? and care so little about our appearance in the eyes of God. Pride leads us to lust after praise and to make ourselves out as gods. But Jesus, who by nature is equal to God, considered that equality not a thing to be grasped. To him, worldly glory was nothing, and self-glorification had not the slightest appeal. And as he drew near to Jerusalem in the lowliness of his form, Jesus may even have been completely silent as he went. For our sake, his eyes were fixed on the task set before him, that which was given by his Father in heaven. For our sake, Jesus' focus was solely on all that lay ahead. His face was set like flint towards Jerusalem, doing the will of his Father, that is, accomplishing the salvation of the world, was the burning desire within his chest. Our Lord knew all that it would cost him, and that before the week was over, he must surely taste the bitterness of death for our sins. But despite all these things, he remained unshaken. Like a mountain, he remained unmoved. So wholly devoted was he 
to pleasing his Father. So great was his selfless desire to save us, even up to the very end. Dear friends, what does Christ our Lord preach to you concerning all these things? What does his triumphal entry into Jerusalem say, at the very least? It says that Jesus of Nazareth is the promised Messiah, that God in Christ has visited his people, and that all that is written in the pages of Holy Scripture shall surely be fulfilled in him. Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, the prophet says. And there on a donkey was the Christ, humble and coming to ascend his throne. His entry into Jerusalem was a prelude to his passion and his coronation in his most holy death. And in both his entry into the city and in his agony on the cross, our Lord did not shy away from lowliness, but he laid hold of all of it for you. He did so not begrudgingly, but because it's truly who he is. Our Lord is humble and gentle at heart, and it was only in the humility of the cross of Jesus that our salvation was won. As one of the fathers of the church named Melito of Sardis once wrote about 1,800 years ago, just as from the tree came sin, so also from a tree came salvation. By the cross, death is destroyed, and by the cross, salvation shines. By the cross, the gates of hell are burst, and by the cross, the gates of paradise are opened. The cross is the guide of the fallen and an immovable wall to believers. The cross is the strength of the weak and the lifting up of the lowly. The cross is the destroyer of hell. Dear friends, by the cross laid upon him by his Father, Christ is most certainly glorified. And by baptism into his death, God now calls us his own sons. So let us embrace humility like our Lord Jesus. Let us take up our cross with him unto glory, just the same. And with Jesus, let us not turn away from Good Friday, but hasten towards it instead. And soon by faith, the sweet triumph of Easter Sunday shall surely be ours to enjoy without end. To Christ be all the glory forever and ever. Amen.